Hey y'all, this is Jasmine Castile and I am going to start a brand new podcast called Hands Off My Podcast. This true crime podcast is for the lost voices of family or friends. They have the story of their loved ones that are or were unalived, missing, human trafficked, or exploited because of being a person of color and would love to share your story. Please contact me at handsoffmypodcast at gmail.com. Let's make your voice no longer the voiceless. If you fall in my community of LGBTQ2 spirits, Asian American Pacific Islander, Black Indigenous people of color, then you're my people. Or if you like to follow and share on any of your listening podcast apps. Dios te bendiga. Today's guest is Stephanie Mojica, organizer of Get There, Attention Now. She is a book development coach as well as a book editor that currently lives as a digital nomad. She would love to share to other people on how they can become authors even if they didn't go to school for writing. She will encourage and inspire the listeners with her stories. Please give a warm welcome to ever-blessed Stephanie Mojica. First off, I want to thank you uh, for being a guest on the Noise Blues Iron podcast, and and you have an organization that's called that get their attention now. Like this should be an exclamation point at the end. But um, <laughs> can you tell me a little bit as to what inspired you in this journey? You know, the story that's behind you becoming a development, a book development coach, book editor and a digital nomad. And I want to hope I want to say this correct. It is Suriname or am I uh, pronouncing well, that's, it? That's actually how you would say it in Spanish or Portuguese, but in English we would say Suriname. Suriname. Okay. So, yeah, so yeah I mean, um, so yes, get their attention now is my company and I'm a book development coach and book editor. And I've been doing things in the book space officially for almost 25 years. That's post high school. Uh, I was a journalist for newspapers for 17 years, but I was always involved in side hustles around books, editing people's books, helping folks write their books, work on my own stuff. And so about eight years ago, I quit my last newspaper job. I was not happy at it. The industry had changed dramatically. I was in a toxic work environment. So I decided to go full time and doing things around writing, editing and coaching writers. So that's pretty much how it started. And then the digital nomad thing. So, yes, I'm currently when we're recording this in Suriname, which is a very tiny country in South America. It's near Brazil and Guyana. And a lot, I say that because a lot of people don't know where it is. So it used to be a Dutch colony. Unfortunately, there was a tragic history of slavery, like in many countries in the Americas. So it used to be a Dutch colony. So this is one of the few countries in this part of the world where the official language is Dutch. Hmm. So it's just a very interesting place. Before that, I was in Trinidad. I've also been to French Guiana. So I've been out of the United States, which is where I was born and raised for close to three years in March 2022, if I don't go back. 
it'll be three years that I've been on the road, so to speak. And I decided to do that because when I was a journalist, I didn't have time for vacation. I mean, officially, we had vacation time, but they always had, we had to beg. They always had all these stipulations, not this weekend, not that week. You can't take it all at once. Plus, I was broke. I mean, I was very underpaid. So I didn't really get to do much travel except within the U.S. and a little bit of Canada. So my dog passed away in September mm-hmm. 2018. Mm-hmm. And that was like the last thing that was tying me to where I was living at the time, which was Lexington, Kentucky. That's mm-hmm. another long story. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, started doing research because I was like, well, I'm paying rent because I was doing my business online. I'm like, I'm paying rent here. Couldn't I just go pay rent somewhere else? And started looking into it and left in, like I said, March of 2019. Wow. So like literally like seven months before the caca hit the fan with the pandemic then <laughs> pretty much, right? Pretty much. Well, actually, so it was, yeah, 2019 that I lost. So yeah, about a year before, because I think it was 20, I don't know, I'm starting to lose track of the years. I think it was 2020 that we first started getting affected with COVID-19. But yeah, I didn't get to do as many of the things as I wanted to do, I planned to go to multiple countries in this part of the world because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. So I just kind of wound up staying in Suriname for most of the last two years because of the pandemic. It just felt it's too hard to get into other countries. Traveling felt too risky. It still feels pretty risky to me. Mm-hmm. So that's oh, yeah. pretty There's much so many variants. Yeah, too many variants that are going on. I don't think you want to take the risk, but the, the awesome that you were able to take the step before all that hit the fan uh, hardcore with the pandemic situation all over the world. And to be a digital nomad is like one of my dreams that I wanted to do. So I am going to be uh, totally kind of sitting crisscross on the floor, listening to every word that comes out of your mouth, because I I want to know (laughs) as much as as possible. Well, again, I just want to say my experience is not typical because of the pandemic. Like mm-hmm. I said, didn't get to do nearly as much as I want. But I mean, I think there are some principles that apply no matter what. I mean, obviously, I had to do my homework. I, I started with Airbnbs and there's pros and cons of using Airbnb. Uh, what I liked is that I could check people's reviews and, mm-hmm. you know, communicate with them because I'm like, do you have a good Internet connection? <laughs> you know, a good Internet connection is, is critical. <laughs> yeah, that's priority 101. Who cares about the bed? I'll sleep on the floor, but you better make sure you have Internet. <laughs> that's for sure. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, once in a while it will go out, especially in Suriname, because this is a developing country. And sometimes things have happened, but nothing that has affected my business. Like sometimes the power will go out for a few hours or something will happen. You know, the system will get overloaded. But that's pretty rare. And um, I have backups like I have data. <laughs> I try to leave everything charging all the time. Yeah, that's uh, that's pretty tricky, especially like you said, you know, a developing country. It's so interesting to hear the stories in regards to like the South America area. I think you're probably one of the first persons I've actually spoke to who is that vicinity of um, South America. And it's just like my mind is just wanting to absorb as much information you can give us. So let me ask a couple of questions that the listeners would be once to get to know a little bit more about you. Um, Because I know that you said like 
kind of caught in between a, a rock and a hard place because of the pandemic, but you were able to stretch your legs in, in some of the areas in, in your career in the South American area. So, as, and I want to make sure, because I, I, I think I'm overpronouncing, pronounce, he says Suriname. Um, Suriname, yeah. Yeah, so I guess, and I think you hit on this subject just a little bit, but what is the one thing you wish you knew about the onset of your career? Because I think you kind of hit it, but I think even prior to that, I'm not sure how far back your career started. So, well, I mean, I started getting paid to write when I was 14, but I will talk about my post like high school career because that's really when I count. That's when I say 25 years. That's what I mean. I wish at the onset of my career, I had known how much technology and the world was going to change, that the newspaper industry really was going to transform to the point of death or near death for many publications. I wish I had known that um, because I would have done more things to build up my business on the side. I cringe when I think of all the email addresses I never got, you know, things like that. So I wish I had known that. Yeah, I definitely wish I had known that. I wish I had thought a little more about the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, nobody, I don't think anybody who was just going a day-to-day basis of their um, white collar or blue collar job would understand that the times are changing and technology changes like every three to six months now. I mean, before it was Mm -hmm. what, every two to three years. So it's just, um, it's so amazing how things just drastically change and as it could be detrimental to if you're in the right spot at the right time and you're at that curve before everything becomes you know the new thing and you're you're all old news no pun intended especially with journalism um it's just you know being the old way versus digital yeah that's just it takes a turn and it's it's a, how a lot of people have lost their jobs or lost the luster of their career or their or their dreams that they wanted in the journalistic uh, perspective. So are there any resources that um, have really helped you on your journey, kind of like maybe getting out of that rut or getting out of that detrimental pivot of your career, or maybe even something positive or not so positive? Are there any resources that you really helped you on your journey? I would say mentors, you know, and coaches, definitely it's like critical. Uh, Like I said earlier, I am a book development coach. I am one of those coaches that firmly believes in being coached. I'm always amazed when I meet people who say they're coaches and they've never had a coach. It makes me really, really suspicious. But, you know, whether they were like mentors when I was a newspaper journalist or like a coach I hired, I would say without that kind of support. Um, I don't think I would have gone anywhere near as far as I did with my newspaper career or my business. It's imperative to have the proper like guru or mentor. And like you said, I completely agree. I don't know if I'd be like kind of leery if I'm working with a person who was a coach and I'm like, did you not have the, um, you know, <laughs> the backstory on how you became a coach to have a coach to get to become a right. coach. <laughs> Yeah, because actually I had a coach to write my first book, even though I had studied writing in school and had all this journalism experience. So it's like I personally know what working with a book development coach is like. And then I've had business coaches. I've had weight loss coaches. I've just, you know, I've had multiple coaches and I have one now. So it's just, yeah, I just think it's it just feels inauthentic when I hear somebody like 
and they, they usually don't profess this, but it, I was a journalist, so it, it comes out, you know, or I can see the signs. Like there was one lady at Facebook group the other day. She wanted to charge somebody $15,000 a year for her coaching program. Oh and for God. the right coaching program, that's not a bad investment. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? I don't charge that much, by the way, just for anybody listening. But I mean, I have paid like close to that for a business coach who like takes wow. people six and seven figures. And we were asked, if she was saying nobody's buying. So we asked her, well, what's the most you've ever invested in yourself? And she was like, oh, about $2,000. And we're like, yeah, that's kind of why. <laughs> it's, an ener- <laughs> it's an energetic thing. I just think it's very hard in my experience to sell something when you don't believe in investing in it for yourself. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Very true. Very good. I, I love that. That's great to have. I want to write that down. <laughs> That's definitely informative. Right. Uh, so what what trait do you like the most about yourself? I mean, out of, you know, maybe even from discovering and self-awareness in regards to being in this career path or maybe something personal, if you wanted to share as to what was one of the traits that you liked most about yourself? I would say I'm pretty open minded. I mean, that has, I will be honest, that has changed a little bit in the last five years. But as long as somebody's not being overtly racist, homophobic, or sexist, I can get along with almost anybody. Like, I've worked with everybody from the most conservative Christians who actually do embody the principles of the Bible to, like, you know, people who have absolutely no belief in religion whatsoever and live lifestyles that some would call deviant. So I can get along with pretty much anybody and not judge as long as they're not crossing certain lines. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Oh, for sure. Yeah, I completely agree. Because, I mean, I think I've even come to the point where I've created my own called jazzism, my own religion, because of my beliefs, my morals and values of life. As long as we are respectful and just being human and finding our purpose and being there for others and, you know, not not expecting for other people to do in return, because it's not that's not the whole goal. The goal is to be there for others and to grow and to become beneficial for ourselves and grow spiritually or emotionally financially whatever level you're looking for but the purpose is that we are here for each other people need people that's the only way we were able to grow and um, you know some people prefer to step on other people to get to what they're getting but you know that's not my forte you know that shouldn't be anybody's little mantra thing going on but yeah it's it's so true it's so true that we just as long as you are not stepping over that, that the boundary of doing microaggressions, I've dealt with microaggressions being a person of color, a Latina. Yes. Mm-hmm. And um, the how you had to deal with that in the workforce, or you had to deal with that walking down the street, and or just like you know, my children are light skinned they're a little bit lighter than I am, and they always ask me, uh, "Those are your children? Are you sure? Is this that your mom? You know, like." Just really weird, quirky things like this really kind of gets under my my belt. So in, you know, agitating. But it's just just the point is that take that breath like I'm doing right now <laughs> and just exactly. take it with the greatest soul and just have the biggest smile on your face and just keep walking like, yes, if you know, and I don't have to show you my, the birth certificate, but I can show you the stretch marks if you had to come down, you know what I mean? So, <laughs> but um, Exactly. 
Um, but one of the other questions, I think this is probably one of the last questions just to get to know a little bit more about you. If someone made a book of your life, would it be a drama, a comedy, a romantic comedy, action film, or science fiction? I already know what mine is. I always say it's mine is all. I would say it's a drama. I've had plenty of ups and downs, personal and a few professional, like getting passed over for a promotion because it's a boys club, mm-hmm. stuff like that, you know? So I would definitely say a drama. Oh, for sure. Yeah, the glass ceiling. And it was so interesting because that was one of the things that I had, I've always had all my life. Like I would, I would be on the phone and someone would answer the phone and like, they would just have this wonderful conversation. I would tell them my whole background and my experience and, and everything that, you know, the skills that I have as a 15 years in accounting. And I would go into the interview and they will look at my name and they'll look at me and the name and the voice and the features do not match my voice that was on the phone. They assumed that because I was talking proper, that I was not who I said I was because right. of, based of what I looked like. And I was like, oh my gosh, you know how many times I could be rich by now with how many times I could say people thought, oh my God, you're not the, you don't sound the way you look. And that was like, what? I get that all too. Yeah, when I was out there like sending out resumes and stuff, I couldn't help but wonder how many times I was overlooked because of my last name. Mm-hmm. And I can't tell you how many times people have asked me, even in business, if my native language is English, if, you know, if I was born and raised in the United States, things like that. It's just it's just crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm thinking you're coming from Kentucky. I'm not very familiar with that area. But in that uh, in regards to your ethnicity is I mean, this is like person to person. I am living in Texas. Right. <laughs> you're living in Kentucky. So. How did you feel being, you know, kind of outside? I'm just thinking outside the box in our conversation because I just wanted to know. Yeah. Yeah. I was born and raised in Virginia. Okay. I had a lot of I had a lot of people bring up the last place I lived was Kentucky. I also lived in Indiana, Los Angeles, a bunch of other places. Believe it or not, it it came up a lot more in Virginia and Los Angeles than in Kentucky. Hmm. I mean, occasionally somebody would bring it up, but it it didn't really become a problem until about the last six months I was there. And it was 2019. So, you know what, though, 2018, 2000. Yeah, you know what was going on yeah. So the last six months, it started to become a problem. I had been around there about eight years before that. And occasionally somebody would ask a question or say something. But I think because I was professional and representing a newspaper, they and, and I can present as white because my mother actually is. Yeah. I don't think it was as noticeable. But like I said, Virginia and Los Angeles, surprising. Everybody likes to say L.A. is so woke. It's really not. And my brother, who still lives there actually reports a lot of microaggressions mm, like mm-hmm. going on yeah and they existed 20 years ago when we first lived there mm-hmm. but they really i think they really exist now so it's oh, for sure it's ever present yeah oh and the people are like well i don't understand what you're talking about you know like um first off you have just because it, it's not happening to you doesn't mean it's not happening at all and that's, I just love how it just kind of like overpasses on their comprehension as to that doesn't happen. Oh, that's preposterous. You know, no, it's actually, yeah, I just go off the rail sometimes. I'm like, 
No, I love when people like the angry black woman or the angry Latino woman. No, of course we're angry. What do you expect? You know, so. (laughs) And um, I mean, you coming from the journalist background, you've got to see a whole lot of people's true colors. Because, I mean, that's the whole point of being a journalist. You get to see you unmask the truthful information on a on a subject or a case or, or a situation that you know, raises eyebrows as in, is this true? Is this not? You have to do a lot of research yourself to make sure that what you provide to your public who read the article is relevant and not obsolete. Exactly. And it was always amazing how people, whether they were caught on a security camera and somebody turned the tapes over to newspaper or there was like, you know, a videotaped confession of a crime. Mm -hmm. It's always amazing how somebody who's videotaped will say, well, that was taken out of context. No, it wasn't. I have the whole hour of you sitting there plotting this and that and you're saying it was taken out of context. Or, you know, somebody's crying to the policeman. I did it i killed her and they're saying that's taken out of context it's just amazing how people react when they're caught yeah there's a recently just recently there was a police officer who had the body cam who was just released saying that he was actually putting drugs into people's um vehicles to frame them for carrying possession of drugs and this this gentleman who has been on in jail for a couple of years based on the accusations of him carrying drugs was finally released because they found a body cam on him actually planting the drugs into his vehicle. And guess what? The cop doesn't even do get it. charged. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, I don't, I don't, yeah, I, I don't know. That's taken out of context. BS. I'm sorry. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. So anyways, outside of all of that, um, in one of your speaking engagements, you talked about an exponential boom in different types of coaches increased like the pre and post pandemic. I always thought to myself, like, what career has been overlooked or underestimated if you've ever come across that type of scenario? Like, I mean, there's a lot. I mean, believe me, a lot of coaches. um, Gosh. They're coming out the woodworks. But if someone wanted to go, (laughs) like if someone wanted to know if you get like a, an inkling of a aha moment for someone and you had that information to give out to the world as to someone who wanted to have a career change and you notice that there is an underestimated, underprivileged, overlooked career, um, would you have that information to provide or? Well, that's a tough question. I'm flattered that you uh, checked out one of my past talks. Yeah. So actually it went from 1 million to the last time I checked about a week ago to 7 million. It's okay. actually changed in the last few weeks. I think it was <laughs> at five or six, but yeah, there's a lot of people calling themselves coaches. As far as a career that people underestimate editing, I think a lot of people think, and I've had people tell me this, oh, all I had to do is run spell check and I edited it. No, that's not it. It's not, you know, 
it's not going to find the difference between T-O-O and T-O, or if you use the wrong word, like I've had clients who use starring, S-T-A-R-R-I-N-G, instead of staring and things like that. Spell check's not going to catch that. I mean, one of the best friends I ever had was always joking me. He's like, you get paid to run spell check. And finally, I had to sit down and show him <laughs> what really goes into editing a book. It is hard to edit a book well. And there are people who are trying to use software and do like AI things to cheat it. But I mean, I think it's an underestimated career. Um, it can pay pretty well if you're willing to charge what you're worth. But even like a beginning editor should be getting like upwards of $20 an hour once she or he figures out how many pages they can do an hour. So I think editing and as well as proofreading are definitely underappreciated. Mm-hmm. That's good to know. Yeah, because I mean, my, I myself, I've been struggling with this whole thought process of uh, me personally wanting to start a book about my life. Oh, okay. But my life and my ideas are really like left field for some people. So I'm not, and me being an introvert, it's very hard to deal with critics <laughs> kind of like going through and saying some harsh things, which I probably won't be able to accept and, and move on without crying for a couple of weeks straight because it just takes, it just take it so personal. Well, yeah, well, actually, uh, we could talk about this later, but I have a program up six, uh, coming up six months from book I did, a final chapter. Uh, but really, I mean, the number one Amazon bestseller thing is really a myth. What And I don't teach that. I will. What a lot of people are doing is they are like selling their book for 99 cents in a really obscure category and getting as many of their friends and family members as possible to buy it in one day. Then they hit number one in that category for maybe five minutes or 24 hours. And then they claim they're number one Amazon bestselling author. I think it's really unethical. It doesn't do anything. I mean, if you're in the top one, 100 books in a like top 100 category in Amazon that means something but really what means something is like New York Times bestseller list Oprah book club you know USA Today like the big newspapers still have bestseller lists so yeah I go crazy when I hear people I mean I hear people charging five thousand dollars to coach people through this process and it just makes me so annoyed but aside from that I mean really I think all sorts of books are popular right now I mean memoirs are popular people are wanting to hear more voices of people of color especially women of color you know memoirs are always popular um Poetry and novels can be a little more challenging, but, you know, depend. And a lot of it honestly depends on your marketing. I mean, you could write the best book in the world if nobody knows about it. <laughs> it's not going to get sold. So a lot of people I work with are doing books to like promote themselves and their business without seeming like it's overly promotional. But I work with tons of people who are writing memoirs, fiction and poetry. So I think it really just depends on having a message you want to get out there definitely getting some support to get that done because the accountability really helps and you know just talking about it whether you know you do lives or podcast interviews getting that book to newspapers bloggers etc etc wonderful yeah that being stated as an introvert um this is one of the hurdles i've struggled in getting started in creating a book and I had a gentleman that I did an audiobook because I'm a voiceover artist as well. As long as you don't see my face, 
I'm flawless in my script. So I did an audiobook for this gentleman. He um I found out that he himself was an introvert or you know, very leery in regards to his book. And I'm like, you have a fantastic book. I read 64,000 of your words. You better push the button on this audio for <laughs> sure. Um, but he couldn't get over this his this hurdle. He couldn't push the send button. So how do you get over that hurdle of intimidation outside of, you know, what do you suggest to your customers being, you know, being their editor and being their publisher? If someone was talking about, you know, doing something like this, you know, what are some words of encouragement? Well, I would say that the main problem I have is folks deciding whether they want to like invest in this process, because once you like really invest the finances and the time, uh, I've never had anybody say, oh, I'm not going to publish it now after they went through all of it. But, you know, so it's like sometimes it's really hard to get them to actually make that decision like they want to do it. I explained the benefits. I have dozens of like glowing testimonials, et cetera. It's like getting them to pull the trigger and then commit to the process tends to be the hardest part. But for somebody who's not worked with a coach or, you know, another kind of mentor, you know, lean into whatever spirituality you have, if you have one, or talk to a trusted friend. Ultimately, yes, I'm not going to sit here and lie to you. You're going to get critics. Every time I go live, I get critics. I get people tell me I need to lose weight. People tell me that I don't know what the blank I'm talking about. So I don't think there's this way to avoid the critics. I think it's just, but it's like at the end of the day, are you going to be on your deathbed, like thinking about the critics or regretting that you never did what you wanted to do? Yeah, it's got, it's definitely the latter. I mean, yeah, just push the button, <laughs> you know, just get it. Yeah, push the button. <laughs> exactly. I mean, nobody's going to die as a result. <laughs> right, right. You are getting yourself out there and you know, it's beneficial for either yourself or for other people. I mean, I think, like I said, those memoirs, they're very inspirational, especially with people of color. We we kind of have this taboo that, you know, what goes on in our home stays in a home and nobody talks about it. Nobody shares about it. It's something that we've been brainwashed or threatened to not have that come out of their out of those four walls. And that needs to get out there. My life is just like cray, cray, cray. And I love that even though um, it was horrific going through the process, going through that alone, going through that, thinking that this doesn't happen to anybody else, but to have a book out there about my life. And it's like, I don't know if it's beneficial for me or it's beneficial for somebody else, but either way, it's beneficial. So. Right. Yeah, I'd love to talk more later about supporting you in that. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm in a very good place now, um, you know, being a single mom and it's uh, I'm in a much better place than I was for the last 20, 30 years of my life. So that's good. Just doing it. It's, It's been an honor because I get to meet beautiful people who are on the same journey. We even though we're coming from different directions of life, we are crossing our paths in our journey and we are officially now bounded um, as sisters and brothers on the same journey and it's just I love to share other people's lives and to say you know you are an inspiration to somebody even if it's just me 
talking to you, you know, you're talking to me. That's one person out of the last, the last, you know, 30, 40 minutes of, of this dis- discussion that you've touched. If it's just one, that's better than zero. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's better. Yeah, it's better than sitting around watching Netflix while we like to say. <laughs> Exactly. Although I do that, I do that, I do that plenty, especially with like we've had lockdown stuff. But yeah, it's like, you know, if you just affect one person, you affect a lot more than one. And I think it's worth it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I guess in closing, I guess, um, did you have any like um, a final thought that you'd like to share to the audience that I or to the listeners that I wasn't able to share in a conversation or uh, and as well as also if the listeners are interested in knowing more about your Digital nomad life and your editing and publishing in um, critique. And what would be the website or contact information that they can reach out to? So yeah, I would just encourage folks who are thinking about writing the book to really just make a decision about are you going to do it or not. It's okay if you don't want to do it, but don't sit on the fence for another. 20 years. I've had people come to me saying they've been thinking for 20 years about writing a book. It's like my goal is not necessarily to, you know, like everybody write a book, but make a decision and make peace with it. And there's no shame in getting support. I mean, Stephen King, all these people, they didn't become the greats by trying to do everything by themselves. So if you want to get in touch with me, you can check out my free ebook. It's called Three Things You Must Know Before Writing Your Book. That's at gettheirattentionnow.com slash book, gettheirattentionnow.com slash book. You can also just go to gettheirattentionnow.com for like blogs and other stuff. And I'm on pretty much all social media as Stephanie Mojica or, you know, so you can look up Stephanie Mojica, get their attention now. I would love to hear from some of you, but definitely make a decision. Are you going to do it or not? <laughs> Exactly. And I think I'm going to make that decision by next year. That's, That's good. yeah. So with the help of, um, I, if, if it's you, then it's, it'll be a pleasure if that's okay, if you take me, but um, it, oh, one yeah, way I'd or another, <laughs> one way or another, it's going to happen. So if I got to do it all on my own, you know, bring out my little crayons and start doing my own illustrations, <laughs> it's going to happen and little staples and stuff like that. Awesome. <laughs> have my eight-year-old help help out with that (laughs) (laughs) well it's been great yes well stephanie it's been an honor thank you so much for your time and being my guest and um i will definitely keep in touch with you dear and awesome yep if you have any questions let me know all right do you want me to send you three things you must know before writing your book yes Yes, please. Okay, cool. All right, well, let's stay connected and um, I'll look forward to talking to you further about the podcast and hopefully your book. Yes, ma'am. Absolutely. Well, have a wonderful weekend. It's nice meeting you. You too. Have a great day. Yeah, you too. Bye. Thank you for listening to Noise Palooza Zion podcast. If you're wanting to share or follow, I am on Facebook, TikTok, Instagram, or website jasminecastillovoice.com Show your love on any of the podcasts that does reviews, like Apple or Spotify. Thank you so much. Stay tuned for the next episode every Friday.